Hi, everyone. I'm Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. I'm also CEO of PRSecrets.com, and I want to welcome you to the Be a Media Darling podcast. Join us on BeAMediaDarling.com and PRSecrets.com, where you'll get free goodies and also the resources that we mention in each episode, as well as other delightful things that will help you shine in the media spotlight. On Work Your Story Wednesday, I'll walk you through specific nitty-gritty storytelling steps that you need to take in order to get noticed by the media, get invited to appear in the media, and my secrets to getting invited back. We'll also chat about the three P's, how to prepare, package, and position yourself before you even email or pick up the phone to pitch the media. Tune in every Wednesday for tips about how to pitch producers and editors so they email or call you back ASAP. Hi, everyone. Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist, author of Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul, here with our special guest today, Shannon Walbrand, who is known as South Africa's top psychic. And her main message is, you are guided. And even though she guides you and she loves to teach people how to get their messages themselves, I love that, Shannon, that you are guided. You are guided by yourself as well as by you. Is that what you meant by that? Thanks, Susan. Yeah, that's really my sound bite. And it was you who taught me how to make really brief sound bites. And you are guided is one of my best sound bites because I really want to put the power back into people's hands so that they don't feel or believe that they have to pay an intermediary to get their messages. Yeah, I really love that. Although it is really wonderful to get the intermediary because I was just listening to your podcast and you're so fast and incisive. And I'm going to finish talking about you. I kind of got carried away and, and I kind of got you know, stuck on that because I was so excited. But after traveling the world in her 20s and 30s, Shannon received a divine message while meditating in the Sinai Desert, which was, now it's time for you to help other people. So she gave up her career as a writer for nonprofits, and she quickly rose to the top of her field, helping over 20,000 clients directly since 2003. And what she does is she brings people instant, specific, personalized answers to their most pressing personal questions, and she adds in details that nobody else knows. So currently, Shannon speaks to a radio listenership of about 8 million people and is the author of the book called Guided which is available on Audible. She does corporate keynote speaking, large group and individual consultations in person and by phone and Skype worldwide. So thanks for that. I was just listening to your podcast, which was absolutely fascinating. And, you know, people were asking all types of questions. So we'll, at the end of our interview, because we're going to be talking about publicity today, but at the end of our interview, I'm going to ask, get to ask you three questions. So wait until the end of this podcast to find out what Shannon's going to discover for me, and I'm really super excited about that. Oh, and also Shannon's website is shannonwalbrand.com, which is S-H-A-N-N-O-N-W-A-L-B-R-A-N.com. So what we're going to talk about today is something that's really interesting that Shannon has done, which is she has gotten publicity for a Ukrainian reality TV show that is not going to be translated into English, and yet she's been able to get publicity for it. So we in the English-speaking world are never going to be able to get to see that. Is it called The World's Top Psychic? Is that the name of it, Shannon? It was called International Psychic Challenge. Okay, got it. And you've already taped it. Yes, I taped it in July of this year. Mm -hmm. And so before you even taped it, though, you started thinking about, well, how can I get publicity for this, that you're going to be on this show in the Ukraine? And what did you do first? 
Well, Susan, I have to give you a lot of credit here because I was part of your Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul study group, and you were throwing out a lot of ideas, and the other people in the group were throwing out lots of ideas about media coverage, and I was practicing even before I got the invitation to go to Ukraine. So I did a few things. I had some professional photographs taken, and I was really, really pleased with them. I thought they looked really cool. I worked on my sound bites. So in addition to You Are Guided, I have some other sound bites, and I really honed them. And another one is I want to work myself out of a job. So that relates to what we were discussing about. I want other people to do this work. I want to teach people how to do the work that I do. Mm. Mm -hmm. And and so joining the Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul showed me how to craft a press release that sounded exactly like a news story. So I got invited pretty much out of the blue to participate in this international psychic challenge, yeah, like world's top psychics, kind of like an idols program in Ukraine. And the first thing that I did was I wrote a press release. Shannon Walburn has been selected to represent South Africa in this international challenge. That's how I crafted the press release. And I wrote it as exactly as if it were a news story that you would see in the news section, in the A part of the paper. That's really brilliant. And to actually have to actually do that, to write it as a news story, because by doing that, producers or editors, the job is already done for them. You've crafted the story and you've shaped the story. And I like that you put it was not about you. It's not about, oh, Shannon Walbrand is this and that. It's like Shannon Walbrand represents South Africa. That's the bigger story. So one of the mistakes that people often make is just about me, 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 and not about how it relates to the audience or why it's important out in the world. But by crafting that as a news story, that puts it in a different dimension, and that makes it really considered something important and for people to know. So I love that you did that. And then I also love that you said you did this and you were practicing even before you got that invitation. So I think that that kind of mental preparation and then bringing it down to the physical world, and you really know about both of those worlds, is so important. I mean, there is a phrase that I love, which is write it down, make it happen. You know, to even that much taking the action, but you were actually practicing verbally your soundbite too, right, as well as writing down the press release? Absolutely. And even I can add in that, the tagline that I crafted for myself, which is South Africa's Top Psychic, I crafted it after reading your material and working with you. So by South Africa's Top Psychic, I actually mean I have the highest listenership. Okay, I'm on a really popular radio station. That radio station's program, The Morning Show, has 8 million people listening to it every day. I'm not on it every day. I'm on it once a month. But that means that 8 million people are listening to me. There are other good psychics in the world. There are other good psychics in South Africa. There are other very accurate and helpful psychics in the world. And so by saying I'm South Africa's top psychic, I just gave myself a tagline that is true and that works. And it's also, as you say, what makes it relevant to the audience, you know? I want to represent this country. It's not my country of birth. I am American. But I live here, and I'm going to live here for a long while yet. I'm raising my child here. South Africa is a good place to be right now. So I'm very happy to be here. That, it all ties together. You know, that is a really great point, that your moniker, what you name yourself, really needs to be true. Because there are a lot of people who are calling themselves America Stop This and America Stop That, and there's no basis behind it. So before you give yourself a name, you do have to have the gravitas and the statistics or whatever, the experience behind it. And you did, and you just proved that, that you have the highest listenership, and you've also worked with over 20,000 people. That gives you 
a huge amount of credibility. I remember one of my clients when she was first starting out, by the way, now she's a New York Times bestseller author, but at the time she had written a self-published book and she said it was a bestseller. And I said, an Amazon bestseller. And I said, well, how many copies has it, did it sold? It was like 20. And I said, you mm-hmm. cannot call your, I mean, she was calling herself, this book is a bestseller, not Amazon bestseller, but bestseller. I said, you just can't do that. I said, you know, a bestseller, <laughs> you know, has to have, I don't know what the amount is because for the New York Times, it can be many different things based on the other books at that time, but it's typically a minimum of 20,000, you know, and that's not really even considered a bestseller at that. So I love that you have the gravitas and the back that up. Do you think that giving yourself that tagline, how then did the reality TV show find you? I mean, how did yeah, they find I talk, you? I talked to the producers about how they found me. I talked to them while they were in the process. And they said that they were Googling, and they were Googling to look for people in vastly different countries, so Australia, Scotland. You know, they were looking all over the place and for people who speak different languages. So they had somebody from Mexico, and they had somebody from Turkey, and they had, you know. So I think that that I put, South Africa's Top Psychic, I'm pretty sure that that helped them find me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's great. And then what was the interview process like in order to vet you to be on the show? It was that they made me make a video of myself because they wanted to see that I was lively and talkative and could string sentence together. And they had me describe what my special skills were. And then I sent in my video. And there were more than 100 candidates from many different countries. And we were all flown, or if they were from neighboring countries, they were given train tickets. And we were all brought to Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, in the beginning of July. And the filming went on for six months. And the thing is, is that I told them that since I have a small child, I would only be able to be there for a maximum three weeks. So I was with them for three weeks. And I made it to the top ten, which is fantastic, and I was really thrilled. But because I was only there for three weeks, but I was seriously filming like 16 hours a day. It was so intense. But in the long run, when I'm watching the show now, they chose to edit out my segments because I couldn't complete their story arc. I couldn't stay the whole Mm. six months. And so the people Mm. who are still there... Actually, I believe it's finished now. I believe it's finished this month. They were the people who could stay. So they were people who didn't have the same family obligations that I did. So when I talked to you before the filming and I said, look, I'm leveraging all of this publicity before I go, you said, that's great because we don't know how it's going to turn out anyway. And then here's the thing. Even though I did make it into the top ten, they chose not to use the footage because of my limited time. So thank goodness I did all of that leveraging beforehand. Mm-hmm. You never do know how much you're going to be actually in any kind of storyline that has extensive footage or even has footage for a top show, by the way. One of my other clients is also, he's a regular on a reality TV show. And he said, you know, the same thing, that they do film quite a lot of segments, but he's not sure necessarily which ones are going to air, you know, and you found never that know, out. Because they have to craft yeah. the story after the fact. They film right. from film and then they piece it together so that it makes sense. And then the people who win the end, then they go back to the beginning and they find all of the footage of those people and really put right. a lot of them even at the beginning. Yes. And this is the same in a reality TV show as it is with any kind of extended news show or even a form, sometimes a four-minute segment that there is, you were talking about creating an arc. There is an arc to a story, to the entire story with all the people involved. And then there's also story arcs or arcs for each of the people. Too. So I think Absolutely. that that was like in Game of Thrones. You know, there's a story arc for each season. And I used to do yeah. for a little while. I was a documentary film producer, and I understood. I was working on a documentary that was made by some really famous people in the UK about kids behind bars in Brazil, and I was one of the translators. Okay, I played a really minor role in producing the film, but one of the kids was nine years old when he first went into jail, and then he was 14 years old when he was released from jail. 
But he looked so different from 9 to 14 because of the changes that he'd gone through while he was in prison that they almost couldn't use the footage, if you know what I mean. The audience would not have been able to identify mm. him as the same person. Oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating. And that wouldn't be – and there was no way to connect because that could be an advantage too. Like, look what happened. They tried, and they did a split screen with his name on it, and they said before and after. But they had a choice. They had many different child candidates to show, and they preferred to show the ones that it was really easy to identify. It's just like – I'm sure you coach your clients on this also, but when I was a child actor, I was a child actor for like – one season on a TV show, <laughs> really. And I decided to cut my hair, so I cut my hair really short without consulting the director. And she said, what have you done? Now there's no continuity at all. We're going to have to make you wear a baseball cap for the rest of the show. Wow. You don't think but about those kinds of things. I was 11, you know, I didn't think about that. The consistency of image. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought a lot about, you know, my hair is blonde by choice, and I thought a lot about the way that I look. And I like the way that I look, but I'm kind of glad that I do like the way that I look because I'm going to need to look like this for a long time now. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So it keeps that consistency of image. So people recognize you because that's yep. something that's really interesting. I'm talking to a woman about branding right now, and she's talking about what mm-hmm. if she wants to wear the same clothes over and over again. And these are branding choices about how you look and how you want to be perceived and creating a kind of consistency. So there's, it really bears thinking deeply, even if something about like your hair color and your hairstyle, right, about mm-hmm. keeping that story consistent. Well, let's go back to how else you've maximized your publicity when the show didn't air and now you're not even in it. So that's an even more, you know. Sure, but you know, also happened before I went. So before yeah. I went, I got coverage in national newspapers, and that was really important to me because I'm holding seminars, teaching seminars, not only in Johannesburg, where I'm based, but also in Durban and Cape Town, which are the other main cities in South Africa. And the story was picked up by a Durban newspaper. And in that article, it said, yeah, she's going to Ukraine, and she's going to represent South Africa. And then it said, she will be giving seminars when she returns. And then I did. I came back, and then I gave the seminars, and there was a lot. They were full. They were sold out, and I was thrilled about that. Oh, that's wonderful. When you said national newspapers, so it was in the Durban newspapers, and was it picked up by other newspapers? And what did you say, Cape Town and Johannesburg? Right. So the news was spread via a national news service, which is called News 24, and that was an internet Mm. news thing, a syndicated news. And then it was picked up, but more on a personal basis, and I'll get to that in a second, by the features editor of the Durban newspaper, which is called The Mercury and it was also in the, what is it, the Saturday Star, I believe, and also in the Joburg Papers. So I hired a publicist, even though maybe I didn't need to, but I don't have a healthy, up-to-date list of the names and numbers of the journalists and the editors that I wanted to send this to. So I mm-hmm. had basically just for her email list. Because I had crafted the the press release by myself, the news story press release, and because I had really good high-res photographs that I was really proud of, all she had to do was hit send. Wonderful. So I just want to recap, you know, what you did too and what the effect was. You know, what you had said first is that photographs are super important today, especially in our visual age where a photograph can make a story and you look really beautiful and you've got your blonde hair and you've got some other photographs where you're more, you know, full body and face. And sometimes even action photos are really helpful, certainly on the Internet. And then, you know, you also did local publicity, which went national for your Durban, Cape Town, Johannesburg that then got syndicated. So we never know when a story is going to get syndicated, when it's interesting, but obviously yours was interesting enough to get picked up and circulated and then to make it into local papers, which then helped you fill up and sell out your seminars, which is, you know, which was your goal, right? Oh, totally. And then one thing I wanted to say was after it went syndicated and after it made it to the other town's newspapers, 
then the individual journalists called me to do individual interviews, which were, mm. I don't know if they were more or less interesting than the original news story, but they had a question and answer format, which some people like better, and it's a little bit more, you know, engaging and talkative. Oh, nice. So, you know, I just want to say also sometimes people, because we're in a digital age, sometimes people are really discounting newspapers and magazines, but they're actually a super powerful way to get publicity. And the most powerful strategy is to use both digital and offline media. And now because it's become so crowded online, actually offline, if you can do it, like Shannon's really experienced, and obviously you've had a lot of other experience too that really made this effective, just the fact that you know how what a good story is from doing documentary film. You know, these are the kinds of things that play into a background and that also are impressive to the media. And they needed to know, the other thing that I wanted to point out is that they needed to know you were mediagenic. So when you were applying for that Ukraine reality TV show, your video was of the essence in order to pass the producer's test to even get on the show. So every one of you, if you're looking to do TV, needs to have a little demo video of like at least two minutes, you know, that imitates, if you haven't been on a local TV show, it's what imitates a real TV interview in order for the producers to know that you're mediagenic and that you can handle yourself on TV. So you did all of these things right and was really, sounded like the results were really great for you in terms of filling up your seminars. Were there also other results that came from that? Like your immediate plan was to fill up your seminars. Is there any other benefit that happened? Yeah, sure. I'm looking to host my own television program and or to be a guest on a regular television program because I've really got radio down. So I'd like to transfer my skills and my availability and the help that I can give people to TV. And so working on the Ukraine TV show and even just talking about that I worked on a Ukraine TV show boosts my possibilities of making TV here. You're absolutely right that I think the demo video, which I then put on my YouTube channel, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, really... Yeah, really elevated my profile. And also, I decided then, even before I went to Ukraine, now I'm going to film everything that I do. So when I have these seminars with like 50 women in a room, and I'm giving each of them an answer, now I film it with their permission. But each woman comes up to the front, sits in the chair next to me, kind of like Oprah, and then I give her her answers, and then everybody claps, and we're filming it. It's like having a TV show. So it is that. It's almost fake it till you make it, but it's create what you want and show people what it could look like. That is so brilliant. And that follows along the lines of what the Mormons do, by the way. When the Mormons need to go out and convert people, and each Mormon needs to do that, they practice in a real studio of like a real living room. So they're going to go into people's living rooms. So they have a studio with a real living room, and they sit down and do role play with people as if they're sitting in their living rooms because that's enacting the real scenario that they're being sent out to do in order to convert people to Mormonism. We have friends who are running podcasts, even like this one. We have friends who have radio shows or blog talk radio or whatever, and we can get interviewed on those radio shows and we can offer them content and value that will be useful to their audiences. And it's just creating a huge body of evidence and proof that we are mediagenic, as you say, and useful and helpful and should have more than what we have been given, we can multiply. I love that. Yeah. I like that you said it's a body of it's a future it's a body of evidence. It's also a future reality. I mean, by you doing filming every single time you do a seminar where you said it's like having a TV show, you're actually are creating your reality. That you're putting this out into the world and showing that you can do it. But actually by doing it, the actual act of doing it actually puts you closer to your goal as well. Absolutely. Both in as you say, in the world above and the world below. In the practical sense Figuring out how to do it, figuring out the timing, figuring out the lighting, figuring out the logistics. Do I have the person come up? Do I have them stay in the audience? Which works better? Yeah, it's an amazing practice. 
It is. And I like that you mentioned the logistics because I think a lot of people don't realize how much work there is in the logistics and that that's really an important part of making the whole thing flow, both energetically and visually. And so you've been experimenting with doing, having women come up, women sit down, and other things. Have you experimented with other things as well? Like what other things are involved in the logistics? Well, very much so. And I'm coming here from the side of psychology in that I have a friend who's a practicing real psychologist, licensed psychologist, and she and I talk a lot about the container. So whether you're doing coaching, which you do a lot of, or therapy, or helping people in any way, or hosting a TV show, there's such a thing as a container, which is letting people know how long it's going to go for, giving them a beginning point and an end point, sometimes benchmarking them. How stressed are you? Oh, you're stressed 9 out of 10. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll be addressing that in this session. And then doing the work and then recapping, which you're also very good at, and then benchmarking them again. How's your stress level now? Oh, it's down to a 3. Fantastic. Are you clear about what you're going to do going forward? Okay, thanks very much for coming up and getting your answer. Now you go back to your seat and we'll be ready for our next client. So that container, which works so well in psychology because a person who's going to a therapist wants to know how much is this going to cost, how long is it going to take me, am I going to feel better, works very well in coaching and works very well in TV. You can see that they're all related. Yeah, what you're talking about is creating a consistent structure and also a way of setting expectations, both for the audience and the people involved live. And that also creates a safety. It creates a safetyness and a comfortableness both with the people involved and also in the audience themselves. Because if you notice, all TV shows and all news shows, they have a format, a consistent format that you can expect. It's even the same thing in a book. You know, a book has a certain structure so we can feel comfortable as we move through that structure. So that creates a kind of underlying comfort level in both your participants and the viewers to understand what to expect. And then I think what you were talking about in terms of also showing what your results are. For you, results are a really important aspect of your work, right? And yeah, also people, anyone who's, yeah, anyone who's doing media, when you want to actually do media appearances and have them result in actual sales and clients and experiences and, you know, real things happening in the world, it's super important then to structure your sound bites in such a way that people really get your experience and that they get that you're, effective, it doesn't even matter if you have clients or not or you're selling something, it's about creating that kind of confidence in you and being fascinating at the same time that draws people to you. I think it's the fascination, it's the proof of your experience, and it's the trust. And you and I, Shannon, were talking at the very beginning that now trust is established in one-tenth of a second, believability, not in three seconds, so in one-tenth of a second. And you actually said that this is like the vibration reaching us even before we, almost before we see a person, that we've already got the vibe, right? Mm-hmm. I do yeah. think so, and I think that we should trust that vibe more often about who we partner with, whether it's romantically or professionally. I think we should really trust that vibe, which is what Sonia Choquette says all the time, like yeah. really trust that intuition and follow it. And, you know, don't cross everybody off of your list just because you have not a very good first impression of them, but at least give them the benefit of the doubt for a little while, but also pay attention to that and take them with a grain of salt. And if it comes true that they aren't really the person for you, then I really see a lot of that with my clients, that they have a hard time disengaging from someone with whom they've invested time or money, and that's romantically and in business. But actually, if it's not working, it's not working. And if you've tried to change it and it hasn't worked, then it's up to us. It's up to us to have the authority to say, I need better for my life, and I need to clear that out and go forward. So it happened to me with another publicist. So I told about that one publicist that I hired, but my friend who works in radio with me was insistent that I work with her publicist. 
And I said, okay, I'll take both of them on, and I'll see what happens. Have you ever done that, hired two people at the same time to do a job? I have. Yeah, just to see what happens, you know, to see who they come. Mm -hmm. And so I did, and the one that I told you about worked brilliantly, and she hit send, but she also then followed up with me, and she followed up with the journalist, and she was really friendly and really nice. And the other one, she said she hit send, and she said she sent it to 35 people, and I never, ever got anything from any of the people that were on her list. So I don't know why that happened, but my first impression of her was, "Mm -mm, this isn't a fit for me. I went ahead and did it anyway as a favor to my friend, and I paid her, but there was no result whatsoever. Interesting, eh? Very interesting. And obviously, I think that there's two parts to that, too, that when you do hire a publicist, that you go by your first impression, and then you do your due diligence. You look at their past experience, and you you also can tell, like you said, you know, your publicist that you felt good about was friendly, and you trusted her to hit send, and you got the results of her hitting the send, so you knew that she had done it. But the other one, it doesn't even sound like you could have had any evidence that she had actually done it. I think she did do it, but I don't know why it didn't work, but it doesn't matter. In fact, I'd like to say that this whole process, and I'm going to say thanks to you again, but thanks to you and thanks for being part of your Selling Yourself Without Selling Your Soul group, was an incredibly low-cost campaign. Really, really do-it-yourself, really low-cost. I don't think I spent more than $1,000 doing this whole thing. Wow, that's really wonderful. And that's kind of unusual because typically publicists in the U.S., are much more expensive than that unless you go pay for placement. So that's pretty unusual, but you did a very targeted local campaign. You weren't doing national publicity. Well, were you doing national publicity in South Africa? You were, actually, weren't you? I was well, I mean, our prices are different, right, from South Africa to America, yeah. but I converted mm-hmm. the money in my head right now to dollars. So I had professional photographs taken. I did all of the writing. I said that I would follow up with all of the journalists. All I wanted her to do was hit send. She really didn't have to do anything else, and she agreed to do that for a price that was really low because it was our first deal. She wanted to see whether it would work. I wanted to see whether it would work. So I was really satisfied with that. And I will use it again for my next project. Excellent. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I love it. And also, you know, I do want to say that in the Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul membership club, you did all the assignments. And part of that was, like, obviously that's why you had success, is that you came to the Q&A calls every month, and then you did all of the, you know, now we're moving on to 12 modules, but you did all of the modules, and you actually put that into action and followed it through. I mean, you hired a publicist, you got your sound bites down, you did your video for the Ukraine show, you've put your videos now up on YouTube. You know, you're a psychic, you deal in the other world, but you're also very grounded and you dealt with this world too. So there's two parts of that equation. It's like, it's not about like what some people interpreted the secret as, that you choose whatever you want from a catalog in the universe and then you sit on your desk and wait for it to happen. I don't think it works like that. You know, you choose what you want from the catalog of the universe and then you work your butt off to make it happen. Right? Well, luckily, I can say that it was super fun. I can say that the homework assignments were really helpful for my own self-development. Because as I defined myself more clearly and more closely, and I was able to describe myself and what I wanted and what I was selling and what I was offering, I felt better about it. It was an upward feedback loop that got easier and easier every time Mm. I did it. I like that, an upward feedback loop. Now, in this feedback loop, one of the things that was necessary for you to do in order to even create your video, right, was to create your soundbites. And you said you'd worked on those. And then you have four that you always include in your press release. My tagline, South Africa's Top Psychic, is what I would consider one of the, because it's a short, sharp phrase that defines, so I consider that. And then the next one is, you are guided, which I really believe Mm -hmm. is the soul of my work. And the other one is, everyone has an angel. So I never Mm. want people to feel left out. I never want people to feel like only some people have angels and some people don't. So it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. There is a divine intelligence and it's working for you. So another one I use is, 
life is for you, meaning life is on your behalf. Life is not working against you. You don't have bad karma. There's really not exactly such a thing as having bad karma. And the last one is, really? I want to work myself out of a job, meaning that I want other people to be able to do this. And so a lot of my work is, this is what your angels and guides would sound like if you wanted to hear them every day. So I only allow myself to have one session with a client per year and at the depth of a 10-question session with a lot of follow-up questions. So all of the information that she would need for the whole year, I do it in one session. And then I say, please don't call me for the next 12 months. So I don't have a business plan where she can call me like in a week or that she's keeping me on retainer. I really don't have that. That's shocking. Yeah, it is. I had an acupuncturist like that, Dr. O, in Oakland, California, who she would say she didn't want you to make an appointment after you just finished an appointment. She says, you see what happens, you call me when necessary. That's a very unusual business model because I think a lot of people are taught, particularly coaches, that you want someone to stay invested for as long as possible with you. And your model is about creating independence in that client right away. So you don't have repeat business unless it's once a year. So, and that you want to work yourself out of a job. These are the kinds of things that you express that I think tell people that you're both trustworthy and that you believe in all of those things that you just said, that we can each speak to our angels individually, but you are a facilitator. And once we understand, I think you give us that capacity or that container to understand that this is possible. And then how to get those answers for ourselves if we're not used to getting them. But what I like what you do is that in your sound bites, you're talking about what you want for yourself and your clients in the future, not just now. So talking about your future business or your future daydreams is a really important part of moving that into the conversation of your sound bites so you can be supported in not just where you are now, but supported in your future. What a cool observation. I hadn't actually noticed that angle, but I think you're right. You know, I do my radio shows weekly at community service, and I do say you can call into one of my radio shows anytime you want, and you can always ask one question, and it can be anonymous. So if you get stuck six months from now and you don't know whether to take job A or job B, please feel free to call in for free. And so I do offer them that. But you know the thing is, it's really hard to get through to my radio shows because there are so many people who call. <laughs> but then I also say that they're allowed to come to a seminar and ask just one question, as long as it's a fresh question. I don't know if you know this about people who visit psychics. It's one of my articles that I've written. It's seven things not to do when you're visiting a psychic. And I also have one like five things bad psychics do. And they're related. Mm. The two articles are related. Mm -hmm. But one of them is bad psychics ask you for a lot of background information and then just tell you what they heard. Oh, mm. you're, a, you're like a PR specialist, huh? Oh, I see you working with TV and newspapers. Duh, like you just told her that. So there's no point in going to somebody who's going to take your information and give it back to you. So, you know, a lot of people I think would be baffled about your business model because you're turning people away. You're giving them a couple of different ways that they might engage with you if they could, but it's really hard to get through on your radio show. It's like, I need Shannon now. Because I don't want them to need Shannon now. I want them to need themselves now. Go away. That's my business model. Go away. How's that? <laughs> I think that's a great sound by too. <laughs> I actually, it sounds much harsher than how I actually feel. But what I really want to do is teach them how to do it themselves so then they don't need me. Because do you know there's kind of an addiction also? People get addicted to their healers or to their psychics. Like, yeah. Shannon mm -hmm. solves my problems. I must go see Shannon. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not here to solve your problems. You are here to solve your problems. This is what solving your problems sounds like and looks like. Okay, now you can do it. Go swim. But talk about how you have a tithing business with you know, not taking people on. I have dues. I have long lines of people waiting to see me. And you know what? People come back year after year. And we used to send, I have an assistant, and we used to send annual reminders. 
it is time. You had a session last November, so now it's time for your annual session. But now I notice that people just remind themselves, and sometimes if their session mm. last year was in November, then they schedule for October. I don't care. That's fine. That's 11 months and 12 months, no big deal. So when you also do your sound bites, do you have other sound bites that talk about specific situations that you've helped people in so people have a sense? I know you work with anyone or anything. Do you have sound bites about stories that you tell when you're being interviewed, or do you always just take on questions? Are people actually asking you about your work? You know, Susan, I think that's a real area of development for me, and I really have been looking a lot at the way that you do that and the way that other people who do kind of things that you do talk about their clients and how their clients came to great success. Here are some of my restrictions, though. It's anonymous, and it's really confidential, my work. And then also, mm. when people come back year after year, they might tell me, and they do tell me, yeah, I got married, yeah, I had that kid, yes, I joined that company, and yes, I'm really successful. But I don't usually ask them for a lot of information. I think you can see why, because I try not to take information. I try to just give the messages that their angels oh, are giving them. Uh-huh. So, I would say that that's a weak point in my whole PR strategy. I do have a good story. Can I tell you a good story? Please. Okay. So this is when I was still seeing people really face-to-face. Now I do mostly phone and Skype, and my VIP face-to-face sessions are much, much more expensive. But when I was seeing people face-to-face all the time, a woman came to me and said, you saw my boyfriend about three months ago, and immediately I was very put off. And I said, look, you can't ask about other people, and I don't know who your boyfriend was, so I was a little bit dismissive. as is one of the mm-hmm. characteristics. And she said, no, you don't understand, he's dead. And I said, he's dead, he died. And she said, yes, and you told him that he was in trouble. I said, okay, you better come in and sit down. So she told me that three months before there was a man, and then when she pieced it together, I remembered who it was. He was 35, he was an executive, he was burning the candle at both ends, really driving himself crazy, and he was starting to get very distracted in his life. So his angel said, hey, you could have a car accident. You're texting and driving and trying to work and do all of these things at the same time. This is really dangerous for you. And he said, oh, whatever, whatever, and what about my girlfriend? And the message was, no, she's not the right person for you. Please let her go. So, he's only 35. He dies of a heart attack a week after my session. So she comes and finds me three months later and tells me the whole story. And then she says, and one of the last things he said to me was, Shannon said we should get married, which was a big lie. So he had used the session to try to convince her to marry him, even though I had said, no, you guys aren't a good match. And I said, what did you think about that? Did you, I'm sorry, did you um, want to marry him? And she said, no, I didn't think we were a good match at all. (laughs) So what a story, huh? What a story. That's really wild and how people can, you know, (laughs) use it again. Yeah, there are a lot of things wrapped up in that, huh? So he didn't listen to the advice about working too hard. And I didn't know how he was going to die. I was saying I thought he was going to have a car accident. And I hoped that he wouldn't die, obviously. So heart attack at 35, pretty weird. And then the woman saying, yes, he said that we should get married. And I said, no, actually, I have exactly the opposite. And she was so relieved. She was thinking, oh, really? Did I just lose the man that would have been my husband? No, she didn't. Interesting. So I had an idea for you about how to collect these stories. What about if you just have people call into your free conference line? And if they choose to use the story, to te- that they can put as many details as they want into the story. But invite people, anybody who wants to tell about what I would invite even your radio audience. If you would like to tell about the success of your, or you know, how this worked out for you, no matter what time, call into this line and leave a message. And you can do it either anonymously or you can leave all of your information. Oh my gosh, that is so perfect. Because there was a woman who called in to my radio show not that long ago. And she said, remember me? I'm the one who lost my sense of smell. 
And I said, certainly I remember you. That was quite a dramatic problem. And she said, it's three weeks, and I regained my sense of smell because you told me to inhale those essential oils. I hadn't had a sense of smell for a whole year, and all of my food tasted like sand. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's, that's, a beautiful, that's a beautiful story to tell. I mean, I love that it's it so is short a and it's so sweet and it's really visual because it's like the essential oils on the stand. Those are really yeah. super great details. And I hope people listening will listen to the way that Shannon tells stories because it's really very engaging. And part of the reason why it's so engaging is not only the way that she uses her voice because you have, you know, this kind of intonation that's sort of riveting in the way that you use pauses, in the way that you elongate certain words or emphasize certain words. And then the other thing that's so interesting is that you use very descriptive details that put us in that situation. So we really are feeling what you're saying. And that's something, obviously, that's one of your gifts because you feel other people and you have the gift then of allowing other people to feel as well. So the gift is going both ways for you, right? So I just want to point that out uh, to people. I had never noticed that before. Yeah, I have the gift of being an empath which you know is kind of a troublesome gift, right? Because yes, I, do. I can feel mm-hmm. other people's stuff all the time. I have to work really hard on my boundaries to decide when I'm going to allow myself to feel other people's symptoms or else I would feel sick all the time. But the gift is that, too, that you can describe things in such a way to make other people feel, too. So, yeah, the gift is going both ways. And, you, you know, just listening to you, you know, I'm riveted by all of those, those stories that you've told. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of you to observe that because I had really never noticed that before. But thanks because you're on the receiving end, so you're really getting it. Cool. Exactly, exactly. So any other things that I didn't ask you? I guess I want to know also about how you're leveraging all the publicity that you've already gotten, if there's another way that you're continuing to keep the ball rolling. You filled up your seminars, your radio show, there's a waiting list. You don't allow people to come to you for more than one session a year, although they can attend your seminars or they can call in on the radio show. What else are you doing, if anything, to keep all of that energy, all that great energy moving forward for your next level, which I think you said your next level was, were you going to teach people to do what you do or you just want people to be independent? You want to have your own TV show. I do want to have TV. I'm working Mm -hmm. on another book, and I'm talking to Hay House about that now. And if I get Hay House, that would be really the perfect platform for Mm. me because I'd be Mm -hmm. rubbing elbows on those stages with Mike Dooley and Deepak Chopra and all of those other famous people, people that I've read their books, you know, for years and years. And I would very much love that. I think that would be perfect. Yeah, one of the things that you can do to, um, one of the things that you put in a book proposal, as you know, is endorsement. And one way that you can get endorsements from people like Mike Julian, Deepak Chopra, is to offer to do a session for them. I could. You're right. Do you think they'd be interested? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can always talk to their assistant because you can always also get into that by offering it to the assistant as well. Mm. You know, a lot of people discount people's assistants, but they're the gatekeepers to people and they're your helpers. They're the people who you want on your side. And I'm not saying that just to be nice to people to get something. I'm saying, of course, you should always be nice to everyone and consider everyone your friend and helper. And they are one of the best helpers. And they often, and this is the same for producers, by the way, people often give gifts to the host and they forget the producer. The producer has done all of the work. The host gets all of the glory. No, that you know, the producers are the ones who call, and the producers are the ones who know who I am. But when I show up exactly. at a radio station, it's often the producer who greets me by name, and the host right. is drinking coffee and looks at me squinting and saying, "And you, oh yeah, you're that psychic." So yeah, yeah, it's exactly. So it's about treating the producers and the people who are doing all of the work. You know, rewarding them with lovely gifts and you know, showering your attention, and you know, just being grateful for the work that they've done, and not just the person who's in the front getting the glory. All of those people who are helping behind the scenes. So that's just one thing that you can do. It just popped in, right? Like that. That that would be an easy way for you to get endorsements from some of those people, which will elevate your book proposal 
and also elevate the status of your book when you have those yeah, loads on the back. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's super mm-hmm. helpful. That's great. So mm-hmm. keeping the good energy flowing, as you were asking about, so I'm in touch with the journalists and with the radio producers and the other people who interviewed me, and I was really, really happy to get one on our top radio station here, our top talk radio station, which is called 702, and it's simulcast in Cape Town. And the woman who called me was the producer, and she said, yeah, this presenter really wants to talk to you, but she's really pretty skeptical. So she wants to do a reading with you privately, but she's going to videotape it. And if you're accurate, she will broadcast the video and she'll have you on her radio show. But if you're not accurate, she won't. And she may even say something bad about you. And I thought, oh no, what kind of pressure is this? Because I think (laughs) I'm 85% accurate, but I'm not 100% accurate. And 85 is better than zero, but it's not as good as 100. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I went there and she videoed me and it was before, it was like three hours before her radio show was going to go on. And she said, it's the worst kind of thing for me, actually. She said, I have an injury on my body. Where is it? Oh, I don't like it when it's that kind of, you know, confrontational. I like it when people say, how can I get back together with my baby daddy? And then we work on strategies together, but it feels more collaborative. So luckily, instantly, I felt a pain in my right shoulder. And it felt like band-aids of pain over my shoulder. So I described that to her. And she said, actually, that is exactly where it is. And then she said, and what I've done is I've put these little, I don't know if you've seen this, kinesiology tapes right there on the page. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what it is. It looks Mm -hmm. like a blue Band-Aid, actually. So that's what I was feeling in my arm as I talked to her, in my shoulder. So, whew, she broadcast the video. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yay. What else are you doing? um, You know, I don't have a good newsletter. I have a subscription list of about 5,000, and I don't have a newsletter, and I don't have a capture on my webpage. So all of these things are tools that I need to get going, and I need to do the free report, gift, those kinds of things. There's a lot more that I could do, really. I'm so not done yet. Yeah, I think those are really important things. And for people who don't know, she's talking about an opt-in box or an incentive for uh, some sort of special report or a video or something to give someone in order to then get their name and email address so that she can continue to contact them on there by a newsletter. And you already have 5,000 that people that you've connected with. One thing might be to do to yes, connect to those people and to talk about your dream of getting your own TV show. And just putting it out there that you also have this new telephone line where they can call into your free conference line and leave a message. And if you use that conference line all the time, you want to get another line, right, specifically for that. So they can leave a message of their results. And, you know, so just a newsletter could be something super simple, telling about the Ukraine experience, telling them when this podcast is up that they can listen to this podcast. And then also, you know, just talking a little bit about your news. And then, you know, tell them about your big dream, that you want to get a TV show. Because you have no idea who's on that list. And they may be able to help you realize your dream. You don't know. Absolutely. And one of the best ways in South Africa, I don't know how it is in the States right now, but before I can get a TV show, I really need an anchor sponsor. So someone who's big, you know, like as big as Coke or Macy's or, you know, I really need Uh a sponsor. That's how TV shows are made here right now. And I can talk about that and ask for that and put it out there and see what happens. Absolutely. I love that. Great. Well, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you wanted to add? Oh, no, we could talk for hours. So let's get on to helping you with a session. Let's do a mini session for you. Oh, great. So I have three questions. So number one is, what is the next book that I haven't written yet that I have to write? Okay. Before I go into that, I would like to turn myself on. I would like to switch on and ask permission to be able to do your work because I don't walk around switched on all the time, just like a dentist wouldn't walk around looking at people's teeth. So what I'm going to do is say a short prayer that will ask for permission for me to serve as your translator. And the prayer sounds like this. Dear God, please allow me to serve as Susan's translator. Please give her your divine guidance 
and align her to your path. Amen. Okay, Susan, could you please, sorry to make you repeat, could you please say your question one more time? Sure. What is the next book that I haven't written yet that I have to write? Okay. So they're saying it's a quick book. It's going to be really easy for you to write. It's going to be fun, and it isn't directly related to the fields that I know that you do. So it's related to something else. It's a guide or a handbook. It's a how-to. It can be made available digitally. But what they're saying is that it's local, local, local to you. And so what it could be, the thing that's coming to my mind is, what is the name of the town where you live right now? San Rafael. What is it? San Rafael. San Rafael, okay. San Rafael, California. (laughs) Thank you. A guide to the art deco architecture of this place. A guide to the local foraging foliage of this place. A guide to the... I don't know, they're coming up with the astrology of this place. I don't know what that means. Oh, ley lines. A guide to the geopathic stress and places of this place. So do you remember the concept <laughs> of genius, genus loci? No. Genus loci, which means the spirit of a place. So sometimes it's spelled genius, like a very intelligent person, loci, L-O-C-I, sometimes spelled with a double I. And it has to do with the deva or the deity or the overarching angel or spirit of that particular place where you are. And I don't know anything about the place where you live. I've never been there. But your angels are saying that you, yourself, Susan, have a very special connection to that place. And so connecting and talking to the deva of your place will reveal something wonderful and beautiful about your town and about its, not actually its history. So it's not who was mayor or who discovered it or when the Spanish left. It's not about that. But something very special that people can walk around with and so it'll have a map, and okay, that's what I get. But the idea of it would be you are really multi-talented. You don't have to stick with one area of expertise, and writing is just a joy for you. It is just fun. And this actually could be a moneymaker. There could be a little app attached to it that could be connected to the tourism and the spirituality of your place. Okay, Susan, that's your answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally wild. I have no idea. It could be a little bit weird, but maybe you can let it simmer because it certainly doesn't have to be done by tomorrow afternoon. So does it have to do with Aikido? Can you tune into that? Because you have the geopathic system that says the foliage. That's not something I have any knowledge of, but is it something? Maybe even any interest in. So Aikido, you're talking, that's what you are writing a book about. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So we were going for the next one that you had. Yes, yes, yes. That has nothing to do with that at all. So what would you like to ask about your Aikido book? Um... Let's ask about, well, I had another question about one of my other books. It wasn't the Aikido books. I'm not sure what the question would be about the Aikido book. But let's ask about my verbal self-defense guide for girls. Yeah, so what would be the best strategy or methodology for getting my girl self-defense book into organizations and schools? They want you to go with the Girl Scouts, the actual Girl Scouts that sell cookies. Verbal self-defense. They're saying it would be a real winner and that your chapters make a fantastic poster. So the 10 ways to defend yourself verbally, and then it makes a poster that you would print and you would distribute it to all of the Girl Scouts. And they're talking about nationally, contacting the national organization of Girl Scouts. Okay, great. Anywhere else? The way your angels are telling it to me is that it's perfect for 11-year-olds. What's your target audience? Uh, Probably 15 to 25. Okay, are you talking about defending oneself from being catcalled, for example? Yes. 
Okay, so your angels would like to point out that that's happening younger than it happened for us. And so they would really, really, really like you to frame the language in a way that an 11 to 15-year-old could understand. Huh. So being told, okay, so this happened to me when I was a kid. I was probably 12, and I was walking down the street, and two boys were walking towards me, and I wasn't wearing a bra, and my breasts were just starting to develop, so they were poking through the little jersey that I was wearing, the little sweater. And the two mm-hmm. boys from about 20 feet away started pointing at me and laughing at me, and I didn't know why they were doing it. And as they walked towards me, they started going, mosquito bites, mosquito bites. They look like mosquito bites. And then they walked past me. And to tell you the truth, I didn't get what they were talking about until maybe five minutes later. And then I just was burning with shame, so embarrassed. I was crushed, and it actually did my self-esteem some harm. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the kind of scenario. And, of course, you explain it so vividly where a girl could respond in such a way, you know, to make sure that those boys understand that that's not right to say, you know, Mm -hmm. that's none of your business or get away from me, you know, anything like that. Yeah. So maybe there are multiple audiences for your book. So there is an audience that's a 15 to 25-year-old audience, a university-level audience, we would say, that age, or working women. And then there's Mm -hmm. also an audience that you can reframe, you can take the same content, and you can make it available and usable to girls even from the age of 11, which we call tweens these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, great. Now, I have a question that's sort of broad, but just given that I've got so many different projects. Can I just interrupt yeah. you that I'm getting a little bit sure. more information about that? Sure. It's talk back to, and then there's a blank. So talk back to, and then what's a word that starts with T that is mean? Talk back to, it's how talk back to, to teasing. Talk back to teasing. That's the younger version, because I know you're talking about more serious, like, abuse. Yeah. But I'm talking, I'm still aiming at the younger audience. Interesting. Because the boys will say, if you confront them with it, they will say, are you joking? This is not sexual abuse. I was just teasing her. What's the big deal? Yeah. And teasing is still condoned in our society, whereas it actually shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so that's another possible use, because you know that you like to take content and multiply its uses, so that's another way for you to look at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should I run by a title of you, or should I ask a, a more general question? Um, try, try the title. What have you got? So we're renaming it True Shield Verbal Self-Defense Guide for Girls. And why do you say girls if you have just told me that your audience is 15 to 25? Well, I have another one, Verbal Self-Defense for Young Women and Teens. That's so long and bulky. And girls, I think, you know, we have, like, the survival guide for girls, which means girls for our age, yours and mine. You know, so girls can be more broad than just, you know, like, girls' guide to wearing stilettos. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think the use of the word girls is more broad. Hmm. See, when we're talking about offending a woman about her sexuality, I think it would be more respectful to use the word woman rather than girl because girl I know what you're saying but when you say a girl's guide to stilettos it's when you and I are speaking to each other casually mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know fun and we can both accept each other kind of a way so the oppressed people can always use the oppressed language among themselves but in this a girl's guide to talking back oh okay yeah true shield I like true shield quite a bit you do oh good oh, I really love true shield and your angels are giving it a big check mark um, and a big yes a big go ahead but the tagline, the subtitle, needs a little bit of work around maintaining the level of respect. Because a true shield is super respectful, isn't it? It gives you that knights in shining yes. armor kind of, we are the women warriors. 
So it could be waging war, true shield, waging war against, and then what's another way to say inappropriate behavior? Women battle yeah. for, you know, true shield. Can you carry forward the true shield? Because it loses its power when you say the word girls there at the end. What about true shield, verbal self-defense for young women and teens? Just say young women, period. Because as a teen, I want to consider myself a young woman. I don't really want to consider myself a teen. I would gladly, if I were 15, I would gladly read a book aimed at young women. Just drop in. Oh, okay. Young women. Okay, great. Because I'm aspirationally a young woman, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Great. And there's a negative around girls in this context only. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. That's really helpful. Sure. That's really helpful. I really love that. So your Thank angels, you for that. Your angels and guides want to tell you something about the view that you have when you're writing. So they're showing me that you're sitting, I don't know what your room looks like where you write, but they're saying that they want you to have a longer view. So do you have the possibility of looking out a window that has sky and looks towards something tall, like a palm tree? Do you have that possibility? <laughs> no, no palm trees here, but looking out a, a window or in my garden or something like that. I mean, doing it in writing in the garden. Yes, you could write in the garden or you could write at a window that's near the garden. Your angels are just pointing out that you are, of all of the kingdoms, so there's the angel kingdom, the human kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, and the plant kingdom. The kingdom that wants to help you the most is the plant kingdom. So tea, plant medicine, herbal remedies, um, things like Bach flower essences, uh, essential oils, all of those things are really your allies in this chapter Mm -hmm. in writing these books. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, some okay. people like to keep crystals around, and so they're really aligned with the mineral kingdom. Sure. Some people love their fish or their cat or their bird or whatever. You can love all of those things, but this is a voluntary mm. connection from the plant kingdom to you, saying, Susan, we want to work with you. I love that because, you know, we have a very robust garden. Um, yeah, the garden's bigger than the house. Um, oh, so we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do have, and by the way, the garden in the back in the Bagua is in the romantic room. For Will and I. So it's sort of a visionary place for us too, you know, creation of our relationship in the garden. So maybe that's, you know, part of it. What is yeah. the tallest tree that you have? What's the tallest thing there in the front? The tallest thing? We do have some really tall evergreens in the back. Oh, fine. So they're, oh, that's it. Yeah. I just saw a tall waving tree. So I thought, oh, maybe it's a pine tree. Maybe it's a palm tree because it's California. But if it's a pine tree, really, those are the things that they're talking to me about. Like you looking okay. at them as they're waving in the wind, getting inspired to know that you have as much of an impact as a really, really tall tree that can be seen from far. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. So if you get stuck, if you get stuck at any point writing your book, it's to go and be with those trees and say, show me how to be tall, show me how to have an impact, show me how to be visible from far. This is what I want for these ideas because your ideas are so helpful and useful in the world. Oh, thank you for that. I love that. Yeah, and I do sometimes go and sit underneath them. There's a little meditation bench up a path down there, oh. so that might be, yeah, so that's a way of be looking at them, but I would be in them, you know, so that's a nice place. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're all that's around. Okay. Yeah. The only thing I'm hearing about the Aikido is that they keep saying this funny pun on it in my ear, which is Aikido. Do you think that exists already as a brand? It seems like a pretty easy brand to make. Aikido, K-I-D-D-O. No, I don't know. Okay, maybe it already exists. You know, you can always go. There's something about the childlike nature of the play of Aikido, which I don't do, although I would love to start. Uh, Yeah. The serious child, the wise child, the eternal child. Uh, Yeah, it is very childlike. And, you know, to see the kids doing it, too, is really joyful because they they don't have any hang-ups about it. It's just like they're tumbling, they're pulling around. It's really one of the tenets of Aikido is joy. You should always feel joyful and better after training than when you came in. And it's so true. Like, sometimes I come in really crabby. 
and I always leave happier, no matter oh. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Will you yeah. find the child within when you do it? Absolutely. And our sensei, Hans Goto sensei, is very childlike too. Like he's got that impish and childlike and just, you know, we're always laughing a lot, funny things. And, you know, I'm always making gas inappropriately, not on purpose, but that's sort of, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so delightful. Oh, that just must be such a kick. I'm glad that you're doing that. It is. It's lovely. Uh, does anything pop your mind about your health? Do you have any questions about your health? The way that I usually ask clients to frame the question is not, am I healthy? But it would be more like, how can I fix this headache that I usually get at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? So it would be something, if you could think of anything specific that's bugging you about your health. I oh, yeah. If you're quite concerned about your health, you take good care of your health. But is there anything that's irritating you? Uh, yes, I'm not sure I can say it on the air. <laughs> I'm not sure I can say it on the air, but let's talk about, you know, some menopausal symptoms where I'm not sleeping as well or, you know, I'm pretty tired and a little tired and worn down. Um, the main, your angel's main recommendation for that is licorice, not licorice the candy, but licorice the root. And you can find licorice root and you can make tea out of it. In fact, it is an ingredient in a lot of herbal mixtures of teas that you could find like celestial seasonings and those. So if you go to your health food store or your Whole Foods and you look at the ingredients of tea, it is pretty likely mm-hmm. that you're going to find licorice or you can find mm-hmm. just plain licorice tea. And that is a hormone rebalancer. And that's what your angels are recommending for you. Could you please drink, this is kind of a lot, but could you please drink three cups of that per day? Really? Yeah, really. I don't love it, for sure, but I can try it. Are they saying anything else? Can you taste it in a mix, or if it's in a mix with other things? It's so strong. It's so strong. I mean, I don't mind it horribly, but yeah, it's not one of my favorite things, for sure. You can take licorice capsules, then, and then you can't taste it. Do they have licorice capsules? Oh. Yeah, they exist. That might be better. And there is such a thing as deglycerized licorice, which has no effect on the blood pressure. Because glycerized licorice, or you could say just ordinary licorice, does cause blood pressure to rise. And in fact, people with oh. low blood pressure like to take licorice, and people with high blood pressure should not take licorice because it can cause it to spike. Okay. Because I asked, in my mind while I'm talking to you, I'm also talking to them, so it's as if I'm on two calls, and I said, why aren't you recommending chasteberry, which is a really good hormone rebalancer? And they said, no, they're I am not taking that. Really? <laughs> I'm taking, I'm taking kind said, of a lot of it. They said, please stop. They said, it's not appropriate for your level of estrogen. Really? We just upped it to five capsules. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm wow. getting, no, that's not working. And also, have you noticed your symptoms getting better? No, you have not. No, I have not. Okay. So your angels are saying, no, you have not. They answered it for you, actually. Rhetorically, so I'm going in my mind, what about Chaseberry? And they say, no. And then you say, well, I'm taking Chaseberry. And your angels are going, yeah, and see, your symptoms aren't getting better. So knock it off. Okay. And what about Myomen? Is it MY? MY. Well, let me ask this. Is there anything else that I'm taking that I should not be taking, or is there anything that I am taking that I should not be taking, like the chase period? We just upped it to, we upped that. Yeah. I got it. So is there anything I'm taking that I should not be taking? No. Everything else is fine. Is there anything that I'm not taking yet that I should be taking? Yes. They would like you to increase your multivitamin B. So B1, B2, B3, B4, B5. Are you already taking this? Uh Uh-huh. It's not a multivitamin, but I am taking B. 12 and B6, I think. They're telling me that they want the one with all of the Bs together. B1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They want the one with all of the Bs. Mm-hmm. 1 to 10. Okay. Otherwise, other than that, you're doing really well. Excellent. And if you stop the chase berry and if you start the licorice, your symptoms should go away within five days, and you can tell me whether they do or not. So let's see if they do. Great. Let's Super. do an experiment. Okay. We will do an experiment. Thank you. Chaseberry is the go-to. It's my go-to also. I always use chaseberry, but they're saying not for you. Yeah. Okay. That's really good to know. That's super good to know. 
as I sit here with my freezing feet. <laughs> I can't believe that you just said feet because they just showed me feet. But I was looking at feet and I was looking at the skin of the feet and I was wondering if the skin of the feet was healthy because I was just about to say, are you demonstrating symptoms of candida by peeling skin on your feet? Yeah, they are peeling skin on my feet. I had no idea what that was. <laughs> How weird. I didn't oh, even think weird. to ask you about that. It was just like sort of weird. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a, demonst- it's a demonstration of candida. Oh. And candida usually means too much sugar. I don't think that you're a person who takes sugar, but are you having too much sweet? I've been eating sweets lately just because I've been feeling kind of crappy and I just, yes, I don't usually eat, I don't usually eat sugar and I have been eating a little bit of candy that I actually bought for someone else to give them, which I haven't given them yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I want everybody else to start showing you this. Dash. Yeah. Sorry, okay. man. Yeah. So the best way to get rid of candida is to eliminate sugar altogether. And then green tea is a nice way to not have candida. I drink that every morning after my bulletproof coffee. Yes, absolutely. Other than that, your health is at like an 8.5 out of 10. So Mm. these are tweaks. Mm -hmm. I'd love to get to a 10. Mm. Can I get to a 10 by doing this? No, they said if you wanted to get to a 10, you would need to run. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. They said go running. Oh, what about my knees, people? Mm. I used to be a runner. Okay. I, mean, I, used to, I used to run five to ten miles a day, but, you know, not I didn't a, know that. Yeah. In order mm-hmm. for you to get your health at a 10, your body needs to make the gestures of running. So if that's too hard on your knees, you can do aqua running, or you can do zen running, which is having the body do the gestures of running, but in a really low-impact way. So it looks as though you're walking at, like, 0.1 miles an hour, but you're doing the gestures of running. Okay. Oh, you used to be a runner, eh? Yeah, and I do walk. I do walk a couple miles when I'm not doing Aikido, but I don't run. Just what because about of the, have me. you seen the Zen running? Have you seen what it looks like? No. Uh-uh. uh-uh. It's like slow motion pretend running, as if someone's filming you and you're pretending to run. <laughs> okay. Yeah, looks weird. Okay, yeah, I'll take a look. I'll Apparently your body out. loved running. And when you were it running, did. you were the you healthiest know. that you have ever been, according to your angels, you were the healthiest that you've ever been in your entire life. Mm. So no, I did love it. Did you love it? Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did really love it. I mean, walking did not. I was such a bummer when I, I got into a car accident and I couldn't run anymore. And then walking oh. just did not give that endorphin lift, you know, exactly. that the running had, you know, the endorphins. And Maybe you can trick your body into believing that it's running and it can release the endorphin. Maybe. Yeah. I am running in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so then that's what a reading sounds like. Beautiful. Sounds yeah, like I love that. question with no background and then answers that are maybe 70% familiar and then 30% challenging. Okay, great. I love it. I wanted to end with you telling us a little bit about how we can get in touch with you if we want a reading or, you know, go to one of your seminars. I don't know if you ever do any online or do them out of South Africa, but if people who are listening in South Africa as well, could you tell us a little bit about how to get in touch with you and if people want to reconnect? Yeah, so I am launching an online course, but it'll only come to fruition or come to publication in October 2016. It's on a wonderful platform called Daily Om. Daily, D-A-I-L-Y, and OM, mm. O-M, it's a great platform. And that'll come out next October. But even before then, I'll probably do online courses. I'm working on the content right now. All of my stuff, so my individual sessions, my seminars, my online material, and my book are all available via my website, shannonwalbrand.com. Wonderful, wonderful, shannonwalbrand.com, S-H-A-N-N-O-N. W-A-L-B-R-A-N.com. Thank you so much for being our guest. This was entirely delightful. And I love hearing about all of your experiences. And I love, of course, getting my own reading, which is really fun, too. Cool. I think we should do it again when other interesting things crop up. 
I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you Thank so you. much, Shannon. We'll talk to you soon. Hop on over to BeAMediaDarling.com for any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode and also for free goodies. You'll also find over there some surprises because I would love to be able to delight you. Thanks so much for listening to the Be A Media Darling podcast with me, Susan Harrow. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember, speak your mind, stand your ground, sing your song. I look forward to meeting you.